Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Well, not evening. Good afternoon. It's afternoon. I am uh, put a post out earlier to say I'm going to do this at 7 o'clock, but it's not 7 o'clock, is it? It's 4 o'clock. So um, Facebook Live at 4.13. So, um, yeah, uh, I think it will be available on uh, the, the – you can normally see these after the live broadcast. So I'm thinking if anyone's around at 7 o'clock, you can probably still see this. But I'm sorry I'm doing this at a different time. Uh, than advertised i um it's just been scheduling everything around mainly my daughter's birthday which is today so i think we are gonna go out for dinner i say i think because my son's not feeling very well so we may not end up going out so i thought i could maybe do it at seven but it looks like he's gonna be um okay uh, but enough about my problems so uh so i think we are going out this evening hope so nice um so we've got questions here uh we got now um donna's got a question there but i thought i put it in my list you realize we would end up there donna um so i put it in my list so i don't know maybe i should ask do your one first because you just asked it so when did you ask you didn't ask that long ago so you might be around so why don't i just do donna's so oh i've got to put my so in case you're wondering what this is this is facebook live with <laughs> Oh dear. There you go. Does that work? Does that? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, there you go. Q&A, got any questions? Plastic surgery related questions, preferably. Um, I will be happy to answer them. Uh, that is a bit of a defunct thing, isn't it? Every Tuesday at 7 p.m. It is normally every Tuesday at 7 p.m., but just not today. It's a one-off, I believe. Oh, sorry. Um, so, yep. So, what we're going to do, I'm going to go for Donna first, because I think Donna might be around. So, let's do Donna's first. So, let's go for it. So, basically, Donna, you can probably see it yourself. Donna, first thing which uh, I'd like to point out is Donna has used the hashtag AskJJ. So, that is the sort of power that we want to start we want to start getting that trending is that a thing trending or is that a twitter thing but you know that's what we want to start encouraging you know hashtag ask jj i have skin that was stretched and damaged from a steroid weight gain now i'm now i've lost the weight would the skin be too damaged to support a tummy tuck really good insightful question um and this is the sort of question that i like because it shows i suppose this is one of the good things you know we normally think it's well, you know, it's one of the good things about people doing research. I was going to say, is it good or bad, people doing research? I guess it's good. I mean, it is good. It's a, it's good for us proper, fully trained plastic surgeons because it means you can ask lots of questions. The more questions you ask, the better as far as I'm concerned. And if um, So it is good to be informed. Sometimes people go well into it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I've got a question in a minute where someone's gone well into it. Um, but this, it, 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 it is good that you've 
gone into it and asking this question because what it does is it highlights one of the struggles we've got as surgeons. I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, you're a really good surgeon, you can do really great things, which of course is true. But, um, you know, there are limitations. And what you've got to think about is obviously the reason someone needs a tummy tuck. And to be honest with you, it's the same for any sort of breast, uh, the same for any uh, body contouring, tummy tucks, mastopexies, facelifts, arm lifts thigh lifts whatever you know if you need a um, tuck of some description it is because your skin has been stretched in this case with a steroid weight weight gain um meaning being on steroids for some reason and that makes you put on weight classically what we call centripetal obesity so it puts the weight on centrally so it's often that the, the stomach will be uh, affected and one of the problems is that the skin has lost its elasticity so the skin has is unable to recoil so it's a bit like for instance if you had a pregnancy if you have one pregnancy especially if it's a small child um, your abdomen may be stretched a little bit after that your abdomen will snap back you your skin has got a natural elasticity if you stretch it it will recoil but if you keep on stretching it like well, not like an elastic band because they do keep on snapping back but um like something that wouldn't keep on snapping back mm, i thought this through really um so, so something can you imagine something um you know that well like a sofa right like a sofa you sit on it nice and springy isn't it and then years go by it doesn't recoil as well uh, maybe you have to work on the analogy there but you know the the principle is my head coming off the top the principle is that the skin loses its elasticity and so it doesn't recoil uh, as as well as you'd like and therefore that is why you need a tummy tuck or whatever substitute any sort of any tuck type thing you like so the principle is the skin has lost its elasticity so we excise the skin we remove the skin but the problem is the skin that's left behind is the same um inelastic or sort of not flabby but you know in, inelastic skin and so the paradox is that the it's actually it's not a paradox the paradox is the less later on should have made some notes using terms like paradox I'm trying to be fancy yeah using terms like paradox i used the wrong word there because the, there is a paradox the paradox is that if you've less if you've only had like one child and just got a little bit of a little bit of a um, excess skin in your tummy the surgery is more difficult that's the paradox but it doesn't work with this elasticity thing anyway no one's on at four o'clock in the afternoon you've all everyone's at work oh donna's on or oh, tracy's oh, apart from donna and tracy tracy and donna are, are, are on but um anyway maybe i should just stop and do it again at seven so basically what i'm trying to say so donna's in what's not i gained nearly five stone in eight months so I've lost the weight, but my skin is so stretched, but it has thimbles. Yeah. Okay, good. Right. Okay. So the not paradox, the thing is, the more that you stretch the skin, the whilst you can excise the skin when you do a tummy tuck, the skin has been damaged. And like you take talking about the striae, the striae are often sequelae of uh, steroids. Steroid causes these striations in the skin, but also... Um, you know, stretch marks are, um, are are evidence of damage to the skin. So people have had a lot of stretch marks. That means that skin has been damaged. So the 
so it's a really good question because the answer is <laughs> come on guys we you non-workers come on get out there get into the workforce guys you know four o'clock um i'm gonna get abuse now everyone's gonna say they are at work aren't they um so uh the the, the thing is yes the answer is yes you can do a tummy tuck in someone who's lost the weight and has got poor quality skin like uh who's had steroids and got three um and stri and what have you but the skin that's left behind will be less tight so not i'm not saying it's it's, a, it's still a good thing to do because you can tighten the skin and get rid of the excess skin but you will get a a less good result uh, than someone who had better quality skin but then someone with better quality skin maybe would need the operation less you know same with facelifts people who are smokers sun exposure live in marbella this got poor quality skin you can do a facelift you can tighten it but the skin that you leave behind is not quite such good quality you can't improve the quality of the skin um same with the mastopexy you know breast lift you can tighten the skin you can move that skin make it all tight but the skin that's left behind has by definition lost its elasticity. That's why you need the surgery in the first place. So you are still leaving behind skin that has lost its elasticity. So you won't get quite as good a result. Um, the other thing about steroids is that they do delay wound healing. But I'm think, um, Donna, I think you're saying that you're off the steroids. Are you saying that on steroids four years ago? So I'm assuming you're no longer on steroids because that's the other thing to take into account if you are on steroids or if you're on something. Well, first of all, steroids can make you a, a, give you delayed wound healing. Secondly, um, if you are on steroids, then you wait, you know, you've got to have your weight stable. Oh, that's a question. We're going to have a question in a minute about that. But um, you need to have your weight sort of stable for surgery. But uh, but yeah, so that is a really good question, Donna. So I would say you will not get a good, as good a result as someone who didn't have such stretched skin, but then the person who didn't have such stretched skin may not need the operation so much. I mean, the ideal candidate is someone with really good elastic skin with loads of excess, but those people don't exist. Because if you've got really elastic skin, you won't have loads of excess, it'll recoil back. So it's just a, it's, um, it's a challenge for us as surgeons, you know, the, the, the more your skin's been stretched, the better result you're gonna get because you're gonna have a big problem that we can fix, but the worse the result you're gonna get because the skin that you've got is, that we leave behind is still your skin, which has got less elasticity. I, I hope that's okay. I hope that makes sense, but uh, it's a really good question and I hope I've done it justice because that's a, that's a good point. And, um, so it won't be too damaged to support a tummy tuck. We can still do the tummy tuck, but you may feel that your skin is still a bit wobbly and not as tight as a drum as we like. We make it as tight as a drum when you do the surgery. If you saw us do the surgery, we make it as tight as a drum whenever you do a tummy tuck, facelift, uh, mastopexy, whatever. You make it really, really tight. But then over time, the skin gives because it is that your skin which has been damaged by the steroids or by the stretch. Mm. So, uh, right, I'm missing comments left, right, and center. Uh, Donna said, thank you for the answer. Thank you for the question, Donna. Really glad you're here. Glad I got it in early, so you're here. Tracy's here. Oh, God, Tracy's here. Yeah, Tracy, sorry about the implant thing. I can't believe it. They were, I, I remembered it. I remembered it around the weekend, then I forgot again, then I remembered it again. And then yesterday I was at the clinic, and they said, you've got you to gotta take the implants. And then I forgot it again. Sorry. So Tracy, I will bring implants. You want to see a B light and a silicone implant and all that. I had a lot, I had a lot planned around it, Tracy. I had a, I had a 
I had a thing that I was going to talk about, but I forgot. I have got implants here, but um, I haven't got a bee light. I've only got a bee light at the clinic. Um, sorry. So um, Donna's, we've done that. Donna's lost. Zoe's here. Good. Good, guys. Good to see you. Yeah, I'm up for a four o'clock session, if you're up for a four o'clock session. Kerry saying, please can I ask what are the main questions you'd want to ask your surgeon? I've lost five stone and had two pregnancies and I want to go into my 40s with a nice tummy. Kerry, I've just remembered something when you said the age there. Can I just go back to Donna? Donna's saying she's 59. That's the other thing. 59 years young. I'm not saying it's old or anything like that. But things that affect the skin elasticity as we get older, smoking, sun exposure, they so the older you are the less elasticity you have in your skin that's why when we age everything goes like that so that's another thing sort of against us a bit you know as we get a bit older the skin elasticity goes so i just thought of that when you put the 59 sorry kerry back at you back here oh, i am still on you oh, so i've lost five stone and two pregnancies want to go into my 40s with a nice tummy okay so what questions would you ask your plastic surgeon okay there's so there's two aspects that I'm going to break this down into. One aspect is finding out a surgeon that's got that's appropriate for you for you uh, in terms of qualifications, experience, and what have you. And the other aspect is finding someone who you will get on with. So the first aspect is the qualification side of things. So it, to be honest with you, um, Kerry, it's it, well, I was about to say it's rel relatively easy. It's not relative. It's, it's actually not that easy, which is why you hear all these botched people. All these people have botched surgery, and then they, then they say, "Oh, I didn't realize my, it wasn't a surgeon. I didn't realize he was, a, you know, a GP or he was a, you know, A and E doctor. I thought he was a plastic surgeon." Because actually, it's not that. It's not that uh, obvious, but it is relatively easy to check. And the way you check, so first of all, I'd say you want a fully trained plastic surgeon, ideally. Now, if their surgeon is or has been an NHS consultant then you know they are a fully trained plastic surgeon. Um, so if you see on their bio, if they are working in a private hospital, there are private hospitals all over the country. So if you're working in one of the local private hospitals, BMI, Spire, Nuffield, Ramsey, you know, one of the big companies of private hospitals, if you, you can only work at those hospitals if you are a fully trained plastic surgeon, which usually means you have a hold a permanent consultant post in the NHS or have held a permanent consultant post. So if you go to your local BMI hospital, your local Spire, Ramsey, Nuffield, whatever, your local private hospital, they the surgeons there will all probably work at the local NHS hospital and do work at that private hospital uh, as well. And that, that you can be assured they are fully trained plastic surgeons. The other ways, and, and one of the issues is, you might say, why am I saying that? Surely everyone's a fully trained. They're not. There's a lot of people who aren't fully trained plastic surgeons who are doing this sort of thing. So how are they doing it? Well, they're not doing it at those hospitals. They often work for the, well, they always, I guess, for doing the major cases working for the, there's companies that do this sort of thing, commercial companies, and they have their own hospitals. They usually only have one or two hospitals in the country, and you have to go to one of those hospitals. And so they can choose who they allow to work at those hospitals. Um, but their surgeons often wouldn't be able to work at the local hospital local to you because they are not fully trained in plastic surgery and haven't got the right credentials. So that is why I say to people, if you live in um, uh, Manchester or in um, uh, Bournemouth or anyway, somewhere, <laughs> 
think of somewhere in Edinburgh, if you live in Edinburgh, or so anyway, whatever, wherever you live, there will be very good plastic surgeons, fully trained, who will work in the local private hospital. And you shouldn't have to travel large distances simply when people inquire to come to Birmingham to see to see me or us, us, us. Uh, not, not so much me anymore, but us at the clinic. I always say, look, you know, there's good surgeons up in Edinburgh and can often recommend someone. You know, I know people usually around about. Um, so you shouldn't really have to travel long distances. Um, so the first question is, yeah, so training. So, um, yeah, look for that. The other way you can check it, if you, we're all in, encouraged to give our GMC number. If you've got a name like mine, Stiano, you're all right. Uh, you probably don't need that GMC number, but um, my GMC number is 411-7214. Put that up on screen if you're interested. Um, but the reason I say that is because you can check on the GMC website. If you go to the GMC website, which is GMC, I think, dash UK.org, I think it is, uh, you can check a doctor's um uh credentials so the gmc obviously the G general medical council uh, all doctors are registered with gmc gmc if someone says oh we're registered with gmc like obviously all doctors have to be registered to the G with the gmc in order to prescribe uh, medicines but um you want someone who's on the specialist register so have a look and you'll see on the gmc website to see if they're on the specialist register and to see so they'll be either on the gp register if they're a gp or the specialist register if they're a um, a consultant, and then it will be a specialist register for a specialty, so orthopedic surgery, general surgery, plastic surgery, whatever. So you can check that they're on the specialist register uh, on the GMC website. That's another thing you can do. If they, you can check by name, but if they've got an ordinary name, there might be a lot of them. Um, you can check by GMC number. Um, so that's so uh, question. So that's the sort of that's the sort of uh, credentials, I guess. I've written a book. Oh God, I've written a book. I've written a book. I got it in shot. Was it in shot? I tried to get it in shot. Written a book. That's it. There. You see? Oh. Yeah? It's my book. There's me, Jonathan. Jonathan Stiano. Yeah? Written a book. Carry. Never accept a lift from strangers.com. You can get it. We can give it to you free. If you're in Birmingham, um, you can just drop into the clinic and we'll give you one. If you are not in Birmingham, you can order a free one, but you do have to pay postage and packaging. Or you can get it on Amazon for twelve ninety nine, but you know, yeah, whatever. Um, so I've written a book on it, just talking about this training and what have you. So I think the training is important, and you'd be surprised how many people who aren't trained are doing this sort of stuff. But yeah, those are the sort of broadly speaking ways you can find a trained one, um, and, and experience and expertise. The problem with tummy tuck, no one really specialises in tummy tuck. No one really in this country anyway specialises in body contouring. You know. Um, so you'd be hard pressed to find someone who's a bod, you know, a tummy tuck specialist, but you probably want to find someone who's done some tummy tucks. You want to see some results, maybe talk to some patients who of their patients who've had surgery done. Um, reviews, you know, people can talk about reviews being sort of, you know, um, sort of fabricated and stuff, which I guess can happen. But I think, um, you know, I do think it is good to look at reviews. You know, broadly speaking, you want to see pretty good. Um, reviews from people. I think most of us try and ensure that we get happy patients because in this day and age, if you don't have unhappy patients, they can you know put reviews quite easily anywhere you want. Um, so those are the sort of credential side of things. I think the the other side of it is the sort of getting on with the surgeon. I think that's really important. I was talking to someone about this yes the other day. They said that they had seen a surgeon, not plastic surgeon. I, think, I can't remember what it's for now. 
but anyway, orthopedic or something, anyway, whatever their problem was. And they said the surgeon was very abrupt and they thought um, that was probably good because in theatre you probably want to, you know, someone who people will listen to and will, will sort of do things for. Um, and I hear this a lot, and there's a quote in my book, like I say, you know, people will say, um, oh, he's a good surgeon, but he's not very good with patients. To be honest with you, I would argue against that. I don't think that is a good surgeon. I think you have to feel that you can get on with your surgeon. I think if you have to feel like you've got a rapport with them, you can talk to them, you can ask them if you want to change the plan close to surgery. You don't want to be frightened of them, thinking, oh, my God, I better have those implants because I don't want to say anything because they'll be angry. You know, you've, it's your body. It's your only operation you're ever going to have, hopefully. So you want to make sure it's absolutely right. So I think you've got to feel that you can talk to them and air your concerns if you think, actually, you know what, I might have a different sort of implant or a different size, whatever it is. And similarly afterwards, you've got to get on with them. You don't want them to say, oh, that's a great result. And you think, oh, I've got a bit of a novel at the end of the scar or, you know, this one's a bit bigger than that one. I'm a bit, you know, concerned. And they just sort of railroad you and tell you this is a good result. So I think you've got to get on with them. I think you've got to feel comfortable with them. Um, I think that's really important. A rapport is really important as well. So um, that's not really questions. That's really just getting on with them. Uh, have I answered the question? What are the main questions you'd ask your surgeon? I haven't really answered that, have I? I'm talking about more about doing research before. So what are the questions you ask your surgeon? Um, we'd ask them about their training, about their expertise. I think if they get cagey or, or aggressive about that, or not aggressive, but cagey about it, you've got to think, mm, why are they getting... You know, I think most people... Not many people ask it, to be honest with you, but when people ask it, I'm happy to talk about it because I'm OK with my training and expertise. And I think if you're OK with it, you'll be OK with the question. It is a bit awkward asking a question. I understand that. Um, you know, I tried it with an accountant the other day um, and it, I said the same. I said, what's your training? And it, it is a bit awkward. I understand how people feel a bit. I felt a bit awkward saying it, to be honest. But, um, you know, it's a big deal for you, this. You've got to get it right. So. Yeah, uh, so ask about training expertise. Um, maybe ask what if you're not happy? What what's the policy or what? You, um, you can ask about complications. Ask them what complication they've had. Um, what their complication rate is? Maybe if they know what sort of complications they've had or what can, you know you can expect. Yeah, get the book. It's all in there. It's all in there, Kerry. Um, Emma. Hi again, Emma. Nice to see you. Donna said that. Thank you. I've seen that already. Emma, I've sent pictures. I've sent pictures. The surgeon has said he can tidy up the whole bit. The skin is quite tight now. Will it work? Um, Emma, you sent pictures before, didn't you? Or have you sent pictures again? I, rem I think I remember you from before, Emma. Um, it's difficult for me to say, Emma, because... Um, you have to be there really um, to see what um, I'm seeing myself on Facebook to see what uh, how much laxity you've got. But I remember your photos from before. Uh, I don't know if you've sent them again just now. I remember your photos from before, and I would if he, if they're talking about closing it directly again, it depends on. As I say, I talked to you. Yeah, here we go. I've got photos. There we go. Good. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think that was, oh, I, I think it looks a bit angry to me, Emma. It's difficult. I don't really want to talk about things different to your, what your surgeon said. But um, the surgeon has said he can tidy up the hole. 
bit the skin is quite tight now yeah i think i think i i it looks like that would struggle to close that emma you might still have some laxity going back to what i was saying earlier if you had a lot of weight loss preoperatively and your skin is really lax you might have some laxity to able to close that directly and everyone's different and i think go stick with your surgeon and go with what your surgeon says for me i'm thinking in my mind i'm thinking you know get the wound healed and it's it's a bit of a it, you know it's 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 quite a big wound there and i would probably think if you're going to do anything i'd be probably put a skin graft on it or something it wouldn't look great but at least it would get it healed get you out of dressings and stuff and then later on excise that skin graft um that's an option in my head but you know i don't want to tell you what to tell the surgeon what to do but that's one um option but yeah it does look um quite um raw still uh, emma so yeah and i know it's been a while hasn't it um so um sorry i'm just sorry just read that back i sent you a picture of my wound i sent you one before i'm asking advice if you think we'll stretch one more i think this i think emma i think the skin will stretch more but i it i looking at the wound and it's always hard with a photo um it may be a bit early that wound looks quite um you know still quite active and while the scar's active things don't move people often want revisions and stuff like whenever someone says for revision if they've got a dog ear or something like that need to wait at least three months preferably six months preferably a year really to be honest with you for let all those to let all those tissues soften and settle the surgery is so much easier and that's after it's healed if you go in too early all the tissues are woody and nothing moves tissues are woody and hard. it's horrible doing surgery in the acute stages of wound healing when things are just starting to heal and knit together if you try and do surgery and cut things out and close it together there's a risk it can open up again so that's the risk so you know it's getting into a bit you know i don't really want to give you you know you know i'm just saying my thing really but just see what your surgeon says and what they think is is um reasonable but i would say that that looks still quite fresh to me uh emma so i would say look you just carry on with the dressings for now if anything maybe skin graft but i'm not sure if it's ready for a skin graft it still looks a bit moist um to me i think that's what we're aiming for totally understand thank i think i'm hoping it would be good now yeah i mean it's dragging on a bit emma isn't it but um yeah let's try and try and stay positive i know it's easier said than done um so yeah i'm just so yeah i i for me i think continue with the dressings get it a bit cleaner i think in the end of the day it will you will be able to have that closed but the end of the day might be a year or two years might be a long time before that's closed maybe not two years maybe a year you know before getting that closed in my experience it does take a while for everything to soften um so i'm just looking here a message hi when your what's this when your scar runs through your hairline is there a revision mine bleeds a bit with rubbing Could be a tad right when your when your tt's oh i see when your tt okay your tummy tuck scar runs through your hairline is there a revision mine bleeds a bit with rubbing okay um emma you, you're welcome thank you thanks for the keep keep us updated um so your tummy tuck scar runs through your hairline is there a revision mine bleeds a bit with rubbing okay 
there's a question. Um, let's get it on. Let's get it on there. TT scar runs through airline. So, um, okay. Um, so that, that, I mean, okay. So your hairline I'm assuming is like obviously pubic hair. Uh, that's quite low then. I mean, I know, normally put it above the level of the top of the pubic hair. Um, so either the scar is quite low, which is good, or the pubic hair is quite high, um, which you can always sort of shave and things. Um, but so I don't, I don't think the fact that the tummy tuck scar is running through your hairline is in itself a risk, a reason for revision. No, I don't. I think, uh, um, as long as one of the things maybe just thinking around it what could have happened here i've spoken before when you do a tummy tuck what you do is you undermine up north you undermine all the skin up to your rib cage so that this the top scar comes down to the bottom scar sometimes people have a bit of fullness in the mons area i don't know if you know what i mean by the mons is the mons a term is the mons a do people know what a mons is mons is the pubic area I'd like to show you my mons. The mons is sort of the area, sort of around, I guess, where my belt, belt buckle is. Um, you know, it's the pubic around the pubic bone. So before below the watershed, so we don't get too, uh, don't want to get too intimate. Um, so yeah, if there's fullness in the mons, people say, I want that bulge in the mons gone. But you've got to be careful undermining too much south, because if you undermine south and get that bon mons debolt, the scar can migrate up. Because you want that lower incision to stay static. You don't want that lower incision to move. You want the upper incision to move down to the lower incision. Again, we're take, getting into the behind the scenes of the struggles we have as plastic surgeons to give you good results. Um, a bit like the skin laxity question earlier. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, make the top flap of skin flappy about, move about, so it moves down to the bottom. We don't want to, We want the bottom incision just to stay where it is because we don't want it to move. If we start undermining south to get rid of your mons fullness, that can make the scar migrate up. So this might be something that's happening here. So if your scar migrates up and your pubic hair migrates up, that's obviously not a good look. So I'm not sure if that's what this is. Um, so that might, it's hard to say from this question. So, um, and it says mine bleeds a bit with rubbing. If it bleeds a bit with rubbing, that means it's a fresh scar, I'm guessing. So I would say go easy on the rubbing. Um, yeah, if it's if it's bleeding with rubbing, then go easy. I always say when it's you know I say give it a good massage and soften the scar. But if it's bleeding, no, don't do it a massage. You have to wait till it's properly healed. I normally say wait six weeks, but I don't know how far post up, um, how far post up you are. Um, so anyway, yes, that's a that's a. I hope I I don't know if I've got the right end of the stick on that one. Um, Rebecca's in here. I am 15 days P post-op from mass removal that resulted in tummy tuck and MR muscle repair. I know that now. The pain is tolerable, but I'm exhausted. Any tips on increasing energy? So, uh, Rebecca, 15 days post, 15 days in, pain is pain is bad. You know, um, that's uh, bad. 15 days in, but. Um, Obviously, you've had more because of this mass removal sounds a bit. Hmm. Um, you know what, Rebecca? 
sometimes forewarned is forearmed. And I always say to people, oh, it's a big op. 15 days is nothing. Uh, and it does knock you back. I'll tell you what my tips on increasing em energy are, Rebecca. Give yourself a break. Take it easy. Don't try and do too much. Do too much. Now, I'm not saying you should just lie in bed all day because you don't get DVTs. You don't get clots in your legs. So you've got to keep moving. Keep moving. Keep your legs moving. Keep, potter around the house. But you, you're not going to be up to doing much, Rebecca. I think sometimes people think, oh, tummy tuck, cosmetic surgery, you know, in and out, lunchtime job. It's not. It's a big deal. So, give, you know, I think it's okay to be exhausted at uh, 15 days. Um, well, it's not okay, but it's normal. I think you're doing, I think, you know, I wouldn't be like, oh, I need some tips on increasing energy. Obviously, fresh fruit and veg, healthy diet, you know, because you've got wounds to heal. So you've got to keep yourself, um, get your diet right. Keep drinking plenty. But um, yeah, don't beat yourself up, Rebecca. I think you're doing all right. Keep up the good work. Sonia, I'm thinking of having a thigh lift, but would like liposuction on my outer thighs as well. Is it best to have them separate or is it safe to have them together? Thank you for taking the time to answer. Thank you for asking the question, Sonia. Absolutely top draw, safe to have it done at the same time. Definitely, I'd have it done at the same time. Same area, got the liposuction out, go for it. Yeah, liposuction outer thighs is good. Outer thighs responds well to liposuction. Inner thighs less so. Inner thighs is really where the thigh lift comes in. But um, but outer thighs, you can have a liposuction of the outer thighs, thighs at the same time as your tongue, uh, at the same time as your thigh lift. Absolutely yes, and I would encourage you to do that because it'll be a lot cheaper. Because it's a lot cheaper to have it done in one go. Gemma's in the house. Big up, thumbs up yourself there, Gemma. Nice to see you, Rebecca. You are very welcome. Go and put your feet up, Rebecca. Get a bit of Netflix on, sort yourself out. That's what I say, but keep your legs moving and everything. So, um, right, into my preordained questions here. It's good, could be an interaction at four o'clock in the afternoon, guys. Huh? Well, I'll be on my own, to be quite honest with you. But there you go. I thought the seven o'clock thing, everyone was just sort of waiting for me at seven o'clock, but you're not, are you? You're here anyway. People are here anyway. You're welcome, Sonia. Thank you. Nice to see you. Thank you. Thank you for asking. So um, does the BMI need to be 25 or less to do a mummy makeover? Uh, I don't know where you got that from. That's That sounds like an NHS thing, to be honest, 25 BMI, because that used to be the uh, criteria in the NHS when I was in the NHS. But I think nowadays there's not even a criteria, is it? I don't know if they'll entertain it in the NHS. But uh, anyway, um, BMI 25 on paper is normal weight. Um, but in reality, not many people have got a BMI less than 25. And certainly even fewer people who need a mummy makeover have got a BMI less than 25. So in my view, a BMI of less than 25 is unrealistic for someone who's thinking of having a mummy makeover. And I would not insist on a BMI under 25. Um, what I tend to work on and what a lot of people work on is a BMI of 30. Now, BMI of 30 strictly is overweight. 25 to 30 is, is overweight, so you're still overweight. But it is when they've done studies on it, they have found that your risk of complications is less if your BMI is less than 30. Now, they, they take people with a, they use the cutoff of 30 and they find a group of people with a BMI above 30, a group of people with BMI below 30 who have whatever it is, tummy tuck, mummy makeover, whatever. And they say your complication rate is less if your BMI is below 30. So as a ballpark, as a guide, I would say 30, not 25. I would say 30 is a sort of um, healthy, if you like. I mean, OK, on paper, it's still overweight, but it's, you know, let's face it. Not many people got BMI less than 25. Um, I don't think I have. Um, so, um, you know, 30 is sort of where I would be going with a, 
for 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 health and complication reasons for the um for the for the for the surgery so from a purely medical point of view but two things number one is obviously there's the absolute value of the bmi so if your bmi is less than 30 it's better than if your bmi is above 30 but the other thing is it's got to be stable that's really important your bmi has got to be stable so you want to get to a weight that is realistic and that you feel comfortable with because if you un um if you sort of falsely get to a low bmi just to have the surgery and then you put the weight back on again that's you know that's no good similarly if we say oh 30 is the thing so you get your bmi to 29 and have the surgery but actually you wanted the bmi of 26 is where you'd be comfortable you're better off having the surgery when you're bmi 26 so it's where you're comfortable and stable if you want to lose weight or put on weight no matter what your bmi is you're better off doing that before surgery rather than afterwards so even if your bmi is 29 if you want to lose weight do it first just because we said oh your bmi is below 30 can have surgery now you'll get a better result if your weight is stable so you'll get less complications the lower your bmi is but you don't want to have weight fluctuations after surgery if you put on weight after surgery you can stretch the skin the worst thing you can do is putting on and losing weight because as i say if your bmi is 29 you have the tummy tuck and then you go down to a bmi 26 there might be some redundant skin left there which we could have tightened if we'd done it when your bmi was 26. so you're better off being stable with your weight ideally with a bmi less than 30. one of the beauties of the private sector is we're not held by strict guidelines like you know the nhs like bmi gotta be 25 or whatever it's not strict but nevertheless we've got to do the right thing for you we're going to explain to you why the bmi is an issue and you know the complication is is higher than a bmi over 30 and i have operated on people with bmi over 30 usually people have lost a huge amount of weight so people have gone from bmi of 45 to 35 or 33 or something like that then you know often these people it's unrealistic to get a bmi of 30 and they're just never going to get there so you either say look you're never going to have surgery or you, you know, or you say, look, you've got a higher risk of complications. If you, you'd be better off getting your weight down, but if you can't, you could have surgery now, but you've got a higher risk of complications, and you they can balance that out and decide in their own mind whether it's worth taking on the risks of having more um, of having uh, surgery with a higher BMI. So, good question is straight into this one, which says, how much skin in weight do you remove on average on a makeover after large weight loss? So, yeah, I mean, that's the other, I mean, a mummy, we're talking about mummy makeover, of course, here, which is a big op, which is like a tummy and a breast thing. So it's a, you know, even more, those things I've said are even more relevant, you know, get your BMI right because of the wound healing and what have you and get the best result you can because it's a huge undertaking, not only financially, but physically um, uh, a mummy makeover. Um, people will often worry about and they're desperate to know how much weight we've lost, uh, how much weight we've removed and what have you. First of all, you're not going to be the winner of Weight Watchers after a, a mummy makeover because whatever weight we remove, you do get quite a lot of swelling. So if you go and weigh yourself, you'll probably be disappointed that your weight won't be significantly less than what it was preoperatively. You think, I've just had loads of surgery and had these big bits taken off. You get a lot of swelling and that's got weight to it. Secondly, the surgery is not weight loss surgery. It's, we're not removing weight. The best way to remove weight is diet, exercise, non-surgical. Surgery is mainly aimed at recontouring the shape and tightening the skin. So the main thing we're doing is tightening the skin. So the, the main thing that I think is impressive when you do like a tummy tuck or a master, you know, breast uh, lift is the amount of skin that's removed to tighten. Now, obviously, underneath the skin, there is fat. 
and so there is a weight removed average it, it really does vary so um the most of the, the it comes on the tummy tuck so a tummy tuck you're looking at 500 to a kilo 500 grams to a kilogram is sort of average weight of a tummy tuck you can sometimes do two, two big ones two three four five kilos um that's quite a big tummy tuck uh, obviously, if you go circumferential all the way around. But as I say, the best candidates, the people who lost weight and just got skin. So there actually isn't as much weight as you might think. If there's a lot of weight in it, then that might mean they were still a bit heavy and could have done with losing weight first. With regards to the mummy makeover, which is often a breast procedure as well, it depends on how much, you know, the weight from a breast procedure. It's usually a mastopexy, which is a breast lift, which has only got a small amount of skin, 20 grams or something of skin with a mastopexy. But um, obviously, if you have a breast reduction, if your breasts are big and you want them smaller, again, that can vary. It depends on how much smaller you want your breasts to be. So you can take anything from uh, two, three hundred grams up to a kilogram or more. You know, a bigger than a kilogram would be a, what's called a massive. We, 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 we call it classified as a massive breast reduction. Um, I say we would call it, I think anyone would call it, it's not exactly a medical thing that, but uh, massive breast reduction is over a kilo in, in weight for moving. So, um, yeah, that's the sort of weight you could, that's it from each breast, that is, that's the sort of um, weight you can think of removing with the breast. So, yeah, kilo or so is sort of where you want to go, where you want to be. Oh, it's a good question. I like this one. Um, this is someone who's, who's asked before, and um, so this person is obviously gone, got into it. You got into avenue on block using terms like on block. On block capsulectomy. So she's got an implant in. She's had it. Uh, Eleven years old. Uh, pain wants it removed and an uplift. Also worried because silimed implants. I won't worry too much about that. I think silimed are good implants. They were removed from the market a few years ago because of some problem with them in the factory in America. There was some cotton uh, particles on them, so they closed them down and they never opened again. But I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the implants. So I won't be too worried about that. But this patient has got a rupture and she's saying, I've been told or I've heard that an on-block capsulectomy is the thing to do. So I've been going back and forth about, you know, one of the problems and one of the problems is going on on the Internet and going on to forums and what have you is people will try and tell you it's black and white. And they'll say on block capsulectomy is the thing to do because you know what don't know what an on block capsulectomy is. When you have an implant, it gets surrounded by a capsule. All implants are surrounded by a capsule. Everybody in the world with an implant has got capsule, a capsule around the implant, scar tissue around the implant. That's what the body does. It walls off the foreign body into scar tissue. That's normal. Um, over time, that capsule can get hard. That's when you get a capsular contracture. And that's why you might need a capsulectomy for the capsular contracture, because that capsule goes hard when you remove that capsule. Now, you can either try and chisel out that capsule, and then often at the last minute, it will take out the implant, so it sort of becomes like a cyst, then, and then cut out the rest of the capsule wall. Or we can do an on-block capsulectomy, which means we take out the capsule with the implant in it as one unit, and then you know, then you can open it and get the implant out. Um, so that's an on-block capsulectomy where you take it out with the implant in it, as opposed to making a hole in the capsule, taking the implant out, and then removing the capsule. Um, and also, there are different types of capsulectomy you can do. You can do a total capsulectomy or a partial capsulectomy 
obviously all of it will park to it. You can do a capsulectomy where you score the capsule. Now you can understand on paper why this person has been told that an on-block capsulectomy is good for ruptured implants. Because if you've got a ruptured implant inside a capsule, you might understand in your mind, it's better just to take it out. When in the capsule, you take it all out so you don't get any of that ruptured implant mess. You know, you just take it all out as one block and then you can open it and just have a look at the implant sort of on the table next to, next to you so you don't get any of that silicone about the place. So I can totally understand why someone might be saying to you an on-block capsulectomy is good. But, you know, maybe I should just leave it at that. But, well, the reason I'm not leaving it at that is because if you're going to come and see me or see us for the surgery, then I'd probably have a discussion with you about that. Because, first of all, the question is, do you need a capsulectomy? Because this patient in particular is not having implants put back in again. She's having the implants removed and a lift. And whenever you do a capsulectomy, you remove a little bit of breast tissue. And obviously you had implants in back in the day. So you wanted bigger breasts. Now you might be happier having your breasts back down to the level they were. But if you're going to remove a little bit of breast tissue when you do the capsulectomy, then you might think, mm, you may even smaller. So, you know, when you do a capsulectomy, you do remove a little bit of breast tissue. And the main thing for doing a capsulectomy is if you've got a capsular contracture. So if you've got a hard implant and a hard scar tissue around the implant, then particularly if you're putting new implants in, you would do a capsulectomy. You would remove that scar tissue. If you're not putting implants in, it's less, it's less important. Maybe if it's really hard and it's calcified, maybe. But if it's really soft, you don't need to remove the capsule. Furthermore, it's actually really hard to do a capsulectomy if the capsule isn't hard. If the capsule's rock hard, like if you've got a really thick, hard capsule, you can see that capsule and you can take that out and you can find a plane between the breast tissue and the capsule. And it's sort of relatively easy to do. If the capsule's really gossamer thin and really sort of paper thin, it's really hard to find a plane between that and the breast tissue you keep on buttonholing it it just comes off in your hands and you're more inclined to take even more breast tissue so i say well why are you even trying to remove that capsule and you might say i'm worried about alcl or what have you like that so i need to biopsy it well then you just need to take a, a part of the capsule if you have got any problems it'll be the hardest part or if there's a lump there then definitely you can biopsy that but to do a total capsulectomy in a thin capsule can actually be really hard so it can be and it, and it can actually cause more harm than good because why are you doing it? You're not putting another implant back in. You're potentially going to remove some breast tissue when you do that capsulectomy. Um, so it's it's not all easy. The other thing when you do an on-block capsulectomy, if again, if it, you, you'd only really do an on-block with a really hard capsule, you wouldn't do it if it was a soft capsule because well, you couldn't do it if it's a soft capsule. So if you've got this rock hard capsule and you're making a four or five centimeter incision in the skin, presumably using your own scar it can actually be quite hard to take that out on block if it's a really hard capsule through the incision because obviously when the implant went in it's soft and squishy and you can put an implant you know a big implant in through a smaller incision but if you're doing an on block capsulectomy of this big block it's actually hard to get it out of the body through that incision so you either have to make the incision bigger or open it and get the capsule out uh, sorry get the implant out and then you can get the capsule out so if you want to see a, photo, a nice photograph of an on-block capsulectomy, you might not see that because we might have taken the, cap, the implant out before taking the whole capsule out because we couldn't get it out through that incision. Now, obviously, taking the implant out before getting the whole capsule out can make a mess if you've got a rupture. And I think this is what this patient's worried about. 
Um, yes, it can, and we often have to wash out and things, but that's just the case of a ruptured implant. You can wash out, you change your gloves. Um, that's that's the way to go. But it's not as easy as you might think. It's not just, uh, you know, you might think, oh, obviously I need an on-block capsulectomy because I've had a, um, a rupture. It's when you start talking to the surgeon, it's all very well going on in forums and asking people from, you know, someone who's not going to do the operation an opinion. We can all give opinions. But when it gets to the guy, you're sitting in front of the guy doing the operation, you might find there's a different story then. You're like, hold on a minute. Do you run an on-block capsulectomy? You've got a really soft capsule. I don't know if I can do it or if I did, I'm going to take away breast tissue. What's the point? Why are we doing this? You know, it's not like having another implant put it in again. So it's not black and white. Good. It's a really good point. I like, I like this getting into, see how hard it is for us. It's not easy, this game, you know, we all, it's all going on up there. You may think that we're just putting implants in and doing tummy tucks, like some kind of easy operation. You know, it's all going on up there. There's a lot more to it, you know. It's not just putting implants in and just cutting a bit of skin out with a tummy tuck. That's what you, th I know, I know that's what you think. But it's actually, you know, a lot, of, a lot of thought goes into it, you know. A lot of thought goes into the nuances of it. So, um, that's it. It's the last question. That was the last question. I haven't got my last question Um well, if I did have my last, have I got my last question? If I did have my last question, um, oh, you know, I should put a link. You know, I've got a podcast. This, these are into podcasts. I'm thinking of actually, well, anyway, I won't, won't tell you what I'm thinking of doing because um, it's bad if I don't do it. Anyway, uh, yeah, this goes onto a podcast. So if you're into podcasts, this goes to a podcast um, called The Stiano Clinic, I believe. Um, what could be styanoplastic surgery could be the styano clinic. So if you're a podcast person, but if you're here, then you probably just watch this. Uh, the other thing is I've got a vlog. I should change that, that shouldn't I? It's not a daily vlog. I'm trying to get people to subscribe to YouTube. You know, we're up to 175 or something now. It was 172 last week. That's the sort of growth we're looking at, guys. You know, good three subscribers a week. That is, I mean, that is exponential. That's viral, isn't it? Three a week. Well, I don't know what the criteria for viral is, but um pretty happy with that. Three subscribers a week. Uh, but if you're not subscribed, I can't believe you haven't subscribed. Is there anyone out there who's not in that 173 or five people? If there are any people out there left who haven't subscribed to the um, YouTube channel, please do so right now. Um, we're going to aim for 180 by next week. And uh, I'm rambling on. I'm assuming my daughter's home by now. And I think we're going to go and assume my son's better. I think he's all right. I think he's all right. Go and do some, um, get some dinner. So what do you think? Four o'clock, any good then? Or should I do it? Uh, well, I shouldn't ask because I probably will go to seven o'clock as usual next week. Um, but for those people who are here, I respect you and salute you for being here. Thanks for being here. And I'm going to end this broadcast and um, See you next week, seven o'clock. Sorry about the, if you're watching this on the replay, expecting to see me here at seven o'clock. I'm sorry I wasn't here. I was here earlier. Um, I've gone now. I'm out of dinner now, probably. Um, I hope so. I hope I'm out of dinner now anyway. And so, yeah, seven o'clock next week. End the broadcast right like this. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.